Hello, everybody, and welcome to another video-based episode of Pottywood. I am wearing a dressing gown because it's cold here, but I am one of your co-hosts, Steve Hester, and with me, as always, is... A guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses because life is just cold. It's seasonal affective disorder period of the year. I've got a sad lamp. My eyes can't adjust. Just have to deal with it. Whilst my name is Andrew Roger Cars, and welcome back to another video episode. Yes, and it makes a change that you have a sad lamp instead of what Kate usually says that you've got a sad lump. Well, I, I can't even follow that, really. I don't need to. Why don't you just keep the jokes to the guest? Okay. okay. <laughs> so, of course, it's around that time of year. We're in November. Halloween has just ended. But we thought, well, bit of an extenuation of that. Why don't we get our regular guest, Jonas Barnes, onto the show to come and shit on or praise some of the movies that have been out over the last couple of weeks. Jonas, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm also dealing with the seasonal affective disorder. I'm I'm not going for Tommy Bahama chic, but I am, <laughs> you know, I'm also dealing with it myself. Um, so I'm feeling you on that. I'm wearing my Friday the 13th shirt just to continue to rep the horror. Um, and it is kind of funny that you said that Halloween has just ended and that we're going to shit on some movies because there, that's one of them. <laughs> oh, I can hazard a guess as to which direction this is going. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that the finale of this new trilogy didn't really sit too well with you then. Uh, no, it didn't at all. I actually, okay, so I watched it twice. I do that a lot. I'll watch a movie once. I'll see what my initial reaction is. And then I'll watch a movie twice just to be like, were my... Like, was my expectations too high? Did I miss something? Like, whatever the case may be. Uh, no, Halloween Ends was bad all around. And it was yeah. bad twice. Like, when I watched it a second time, I was like, no, this is actually a piece of shit. Like, this is not a good movie at all. Um, Which is weird like, because a lot of people seem to be saying that it's it's quite a nice little round out to this new trilogy. Sure, well, these people are assholes. Yeah, the last 20 minutes is the last 20 minutes is a fucking great wraparound. Here's the problem. I think they wrote the last 20 minutes between Laurie and Michael, and then they were like, oh, fuck, now we got to write a movie. Like, I think they were just like, <laughs> because there's the, the first two and a half acts of the movie. Um, okay, uh, here's a good here's a good comparison. You know how Dark Knight Rises is a two and a half hour Batman movie, and it's got Batman in it for 45 minutes? Yes. That's Halloween ends, except switch out Michael Myers and Batman. So if you're having a movie that goes all the way back, a franchise that goes all the way back to the 70s that has this big epic story between Michael and Laurie and it goes back and forth and blah, blah, blah. Even if you take away all the canon from all the other movies and you still just bring it back to Michael and Laurie. Logically, what would you do with the final conclusion to that? You would make it Michael and Laurie, right? That's logically like you don't you don't even have to have a writer's room to do that. You can give a blind deaf kid like a fucking chance to write that and be like, oh, yeah, Michael and Laurie for like good 90 minutes. Keep it tight. We'll be fine. No, they bring in some fucking dude named Corey. Like uh, Corey, like Corey Cunningham. Yeah, like they bring him in and then they make the movie about him. And it's weird because this dude has never existed in the franchise before. 
He's just some asshole that's in the beginning of the movie that has a series of unfortunate events <laughs> that turns him like very lemony snicket, like very, very lemony snicket. Like, and then he turns into a psychopath. And the thing is that they did so many other things with that story that it was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you making this some weird possession movie now, too? Like, you guys shared fuck me eyes in the sewer, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're the new Michael? Like, what? <laughs> it sounds like they already did this when they did Seed of Chucky. Seed of Chucky was a thousand times better movie, because yeah. it knew what it was. Yeah, but it's you kind of the I mean? same thing here, though, isn't it? You've, you've all of a sudden got this new character who's then being, like, groomed to become the, the serial killer. But everyone's just going, no, get me, give me, get Chucky back. Yeah, bring Don't him. care about him. Well, the thing is with the seed of Chucky is that because that was a horror comedy, it worked and it played with it and it had fun with it. And also, like, there was some socially conscious stuff in it. Like, there was just, there was a lot of cool shit with that one. Whereas this one, first off, it was deathly serious. Like, there was no comedic aspect to this whatsoever. And so it took itself very seriously. And Except for Lori having a couple of lines that were hilarious. But aside from that, yeah. like talking about pulling her tits out and having a party, like just <laughs> while she's making breakfast. Places? Yeah, right. She literally is making breakfast and then she's telling her daughter to pull her tits out and have fun. And it's just like, all right, you're like somebody's grandma. Like, just calm down. Like, <laughs> I, I love Jamie Lee Curtis to death. And I'm sitting here like, what did they do to you, Lori? Um, so you have this movie and just like, obviously it's going to be spoiled the shit out of it at this point, but the movie starts with Corey Cunningham. He accidentally kills a kid because the kid's a fucking asshole and like straight up. That's the reason the kid dies is because the kid is a dick. Like it's just, that's why. So <clears throat> this happens. Accidentally. And then, we might uh, yeah. accidentally. Right, kill uh, sure. I mean, he does like, he does accidentally kill him and like, we were, Oh, it, I can get on, but it was accidental for him. Right. Right. That was that like, I feel like bounces off the floor, like a basketball, doesn't he? He does. And it's, that's actually one of the coolest scenes in the movie, which is so fucked up because it's a child death. But like the way that it happens is like thump crack. And it's just like, Oh shit. Like that's the direction this movie's going in. So it gives you this little bit of hope in the beginning of the movie that it's like, oh, this is going to be a brutal-ass Halloween movie. And then, no, the rest of it is this tr weird trauma bonding thing between Lori's granddaughter and this Corey dude. The town turns their back on Corey because he's apparently this killer psycho and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, from the end of Halloween Kills, Michael Myers has been rotting in a sewer drain for what was it like didn't they say it was like 16 years something like that 10 years i don't remember it was i don't remember exactly how many years but he straight up was pulling like a fucking like uh friday the 13th 8 jason takes manhattan hanging out in the sewers like if they would have put toxic sludge on him he would have been a more effective michael myers in this movie um so he's sitting down there fucking Corey Cunningham gets his ass kicked by a bunch of toughs that are just like real dickheads. Like, you know, so like sometimes they come back type of kids and they kick the shit out of him. They throw him over an overpass. He falls into it right in front of the drainage ditch. And then Michael Myers pulls him into it. But then once he pulls him into it, he's all of a sudden back to being a pussy. 
Like, he doesn't do anything after he pulls him in. He just, like, pulls him in, and then he goes and hides off into a shadow somewhere. And then you have Corey running around this sewer drain, like, what happened? Like, what's going on? And then that part where I told you earlier where he gives him the fuck me eyes, he literally reaches through a wall, grabs him. They share a look. And then you see, like, the quote-unquote transfer of evil between their eyes. And it's just like, dude, why are you doing all of this for this movie? Like, you could have taken everything. This is actually the most frustrating part of this movie. You could have taken everything that was happening to Corey Cunningham, take him out of the movie completely, and have that stuff happen to Laurie Strode. This is what I mean by that. Have her trauma bond with her granddaughter. Okay? Have that. Obviously, they don't fuck. That would be a much weirder movie. But, like, take that part. I don't know. I don't know. The granddaughter <laughs> seemed pretty game as soon as she met this guy. To pretty she much was ride dude. him all the way to the sequel. And I'm sure I've seen videos like that online. <laughs> Wasn't it hilarious when they got onto the motorcycle and it became like a Top Gun movie? That was the <laughs> that was the best shit ever. They just like she's hugging him from behind and like you're here in Highway to the Danger Zone in the background, but whatever song it actually was, you're just like that's she's gonna fuck Tom Cruise. But you know um, what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the end of Tron Legacy. Oh, that's <laughs> where that's it's, hilarious. It's, it's like just missing just the sun coming up. Right. It was this weird, like romantic thriller. It's just like, ugh, what are you doing? But they could have had that trauma bond with the granddaughter. All right. That would have worked fine. Then they could have had the town turn on Lori, not fucking Corey. They could have had the town turn on Lori, and she could have been the one that had this internal struggle of am I becoming the monster or do I kill my monster? And then you bring it over to the last 20 minutes, the third act, and you have her kill her monster. And then bada bing, bada boom, quick wrap up. Good. It's like a good thing because at the end of the day, all it was about was Michael trying to get to Lori. That's what the whole franchise has been about. So you could have done the entire movie basically the way that it was. And you could have just had the switch around. Like instead of having Corey go around and kill people, just have Michael get out of the fucking sewer and come over and actually kill people like Michael Myers does. Like they just have him do it. That's his job. He's good at it. He's been good at it for 40 years. Like let him do his thing. <clears throat> so you could have had that. The ending was fine. Like it was a cool fight. Could have lasted longer. Um, it was weird doing the funeral procession thing, though, where they were just like, <laughs> what were they doing on a fucking mom station wagon of all things? They were just like, what was that? Like, they're just like, all right, we're just, we're making a definitive statement that he's dead, dead. And we're also going to put him in a threshing machine just, just to really send it home. Like, we're going to CGI his body getting crumbled up into Impossible Burger. And we're just going to go ahead and throw him out there. Like, it was just like, all right. <clears throat> you know, I, when I was watching the movie, I was like, this could be the greatest movie ever because. Will Patton is finally going to get laid in a movie. <laughs> He's got to go to Japan to do it. Come on, dude. Really? You got to go fuck in front of some cherry blossoms. Will, <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Uh, no, no, we don't get it. I was rooting for Will. I was rooting for Will the whole time. Um, I think one of the problems that the franchise has is this reliance on Laurie and Michael. And I mean, just going off your t-shirt, you know, Friday the 13th has got this wonderful thing of, yet yeah, the final girl survives, but at the same time, 
completely new set of characters in the next one and it doesn't matter if jason is living or dead because i mean that's the other thing as well because michael in this if you're going off this being the same time difference from the original he must be right. like about 70 years old by now yeah he's an old dude he, he's probably yeah. using a stairmaster or something <laughs> you know he, he's, he has to buy incontinence pants you know what happens if he needs to get like where's it where's he going to the supermarket yeah i, I want to see the point where finally he's his life's mission is to kill laurie strode and he kills laurie strode and then he's kind of like the terminator once he's like killed sarah connor he's like oh fuck <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, has to go and get a job in a post office or something. He's still with the mask on. To do. Yeah, he's got to retire out in the mountains, and he's got to help a help a sad family. Like, yeah. just, it's like, no, I'm a different Michael now. I, I don't even go by Michael Myers. I'm not even. I'm no longer the shape. I'm actually in poor shape. I've been out here in the mountains for too long. That's actually probably what he should have been doing down in the down in the fucking sewers instead of sitting there and rotting and getting all decrepit, which that was also a weird thing. He was very weak until he stabbed somebody again. And then it's like he got rejuvenated with this evil Viagra and he was just like erect up, like standing up straight again and just like, oh, I'm ready to kill bitches again. But then he doesn't. <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing, man? Corey's still the one that went out and did it. He's got murderous um, blue balls. That's what it was. Dude, he was he was waiting to come the whole movie. And then he never got to. Lori took it away from him. She did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that I was... will have to mention also here that um, the original Halloween stuntman passed away this past week. Uh, James Winburn. Oh, really? oh, yeah. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. Hopefully he didn't see the movie. I really hope he didn't. No, that would <laughs> be the sad way. I'm, I'm hoping you know, someone just gave him the curse of Michael Myers. Just, just watch this. You, uh, know. you know, it's really funny about that. I bought the 4K entire Halloween collection, including the the really bad ones. You know, the curse of Michael Myers, H2O and yeah. Resurrection. Um, just because I have a one that's got Paul Rudd in it. Is that the curse, curse of, of Michael, Michael Myers? Myers? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. 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 I saw the uh, producer's cut of that one, though, and it's exponentially better. Really? Yeah, but it was just like it was like it was like a piece of shit, but it was a healthy piece of shit as opposed to one where you look at it where you're like, I got to go to the doctor. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was <laughs> it was still shit, but it was just like, that's just all right. That's acceptable shit. Oh, the sweet um, corn in this. It, there's no blood. OK, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's just salad. We're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I saw that. And then um Halloween Resurrection is still a terrible movie, but there's no funnier part in any Halloween movie than Busta Rhymes dressed up as Michael Myers talking shit to actual Michael Myers and like poking him in the chest and telling him to get the fuck out of Dodge and to skedaddle. And then Michael Myers just looking at him with the head tilt like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker later. Like, it's just he's like, I want to kill him so bad. And then he gets martial arts uh, at the end of it. But yeah, Halloween Ends was by far the most disappointing, shitty movie that I saw um, that I wanted to see. I but, saw another shitty one that I didn't want to see, but I had to see it. So w would you actually say Halloween Ends is better or worse than the Rob Zombie Halloween movies? Um, I would say that it's better because Rob Zombie didn't touch them. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> That's the only reason like here. I don't like I, it's weird. I like Rob Zombie's aesthetic in yeah. his movies, mm. 
but I hate that he makes every single character in his movies some sort of weird incestual killbilly. So yeah, that just seems that he... to be his thing way from way from like was it House of the Thousand Maniacs? Corpses. Yeah, House of the Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm getting my films mixed. You see, that's how easy it is. Yeah. Because they're all yeah. they're all inbred serial killers, and he even brought it across. Oh, right. So it's uh, Rob Zombie and Vince McMahon for who loves their hillbillies the most. <laughs> I think uh you know I think when it comes to Rob Zombie's Halloween movies I I can applaud him for at least trying to do a new thing with it but then when that first one was such a bad movie he decided to dig his heels in and double down on it for the second one it was just like ugh no like dude pay attention the first one was dog shit what are you doing and then he made a second one that was way worse than the first one which is shocking yeah. but yeah, Halloween Ends was it was a turd, and there's no reason that it should have been. That should have been the easiest fucking franchise to wrap up properly, and then they just decided to do that, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like, were you bored? Like, what are you I doing? I wonder how long it's going to be before they come out with another reboot. Uh, Maybe even remake the original, recast Laurie, you know, go right back to the roots, and I'm not talking about the Rob Zombie one, I'm talking to, you know, do it again. Because I get the feeling it's just going to keep coming back over and over and over again. As long as they can keep making money out of this, they're going to keep sucking with it. Well, Mustafa Akkad needs the money. Yeah, I don't True, think he's got any anything else uh, over yeah, Halloween say, in his wheelhouse. What else is he doing? Um, you know, it's weird because when it comes to these franchises, like you have all these. The thing with like Friday the Thirteenth, for example, I hate the first Friday the Thirteenth. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't like it. It's boring, and I could give two shits about Pamela Voorhees. People don't like that opinion, and that's fine. I just think she was a very boring character that just happened to be there. And then the rest of the franchise are basically all just a bunch of standalone movies with Jason Voorhees being the killer. And occasionally you have a character that shows up that's like an older character, but it's fine because Jason Voorhees is a ghost and a zombie and also mm. an unstoppable killer and also a weird space bio thing and like he just he's fucking whatever like he's just he's just jason Voorhees. that's fine yeah. so even the shittiest friday the 13th movie is still an acceptable friday the 13th movie because he just really there's no rhyme or reason for jason Voorhees. he just no, is they just exist purely yeah. by themselves i mean you can watch uh you can watch part three or I've got to be honest, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for part eight. I love you know? part eight. It's terrible I and I love it. <laughs> I do. I, I would have much preferred it if they just spent all the time on the ship because I actually quite like that idea with them all being trapped like that. Um, but yeah, you can watch any of them, even Jason X, which is just pure schlock. And you can just take every single one of them and not have to worry about continuity. You don't have to worry about, okay, are they retconning this? Are they uh, double downing on that? You don't need to bother. It's, right. That's just what it is. Jason X is funny because Jason X basically took memes and turned them into kills. So it was like, I'm going to beat this motherfucker with another motherfucker. And then they just did that. And it was just like, that was beautiful. Yeah. And you have those things, which are great. But also, again, Friday the 13th is one of those ones. The reason that part eight is so crazy is because there's so many continuity flaws. But also, he befriends punk rockers. He kills rapists. He has yeah. an actual fist fight with somebody, uh, which is hilarious. Um, he And then 
then the thought that New York just floods its subways with toxic sludge every night is hilarious. They were just like, have you been to New York? This is what happens. It's like, all right. Like, it was the 80s. Anything happened in New York in the 80s. Right. Well, we've, we've managed now to talk about my Halloween ends for a quarter of our show. <laughs> so I'm hoping. I'm you wanted hoping... me to shit on a movie? Then we're shitting on a movie. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I guess uh, moving from there, what have we else have we got? So there, um, the other movie that was really shitty that I'm going to spend no time on because I didn't want to see it in the first place and I just sort of got tricked into it was Ticket to Paradise with uh, with uh, Julia Roberts and George Clooney and just a fucking schmaltzy, awful, terrible, romantic dramedy. Just ugh. it was it was every single cliche that you could possibly do in a romantic dramedy. But oh, my God, it's got George Clooney and Julia Roberts. It's going to be amazing. It is not. Um, so it's, it's a paycheck movie. This Big is time. the this is this is the epitome, and I don't know who it was that actually said this, but they said you know you do the the movie that you want to make, and then you do another movie for the paycheck that lets you then make the movie that you want to make, and that's what this is. This is okay. We're going to get two people who are now way past their prime, but they were box office draws. Have done a load of romantic movies and just get them together. And I've not even seen it, but I can already tell you, beat for beat, what's going to happen. And it's just going to be the same old romantic comedy bullshit that you will see in every single romantic comedy that has been made ever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the most paint by numbers awful like romantic dramedies ever. Um, It was made for parents that are going on their first date for the first time in like nine months. They were just like, I remember these actors. Um, so yeah, it was it was bad. Um, but I do want to transition over to movies that ended up being way better than they had any right to be. And I'm going to start with one that you did for sure see, Andrew. Um, and that's Fall. Uh, incredible. I have never felt so nauseous watching a movie in my yeah. life. And that's that, and that's a compliment because yes. it was the way that this movie was filmed. Um especially on a low budget because it was a, it was a low budget movie and here's what i found out that's kind of like cool about this movie because of what you can do with filmmaking and with technology and stuff the movie was filmed in a studio on a tower not a huge tower obviously but a tower and a green screen and also like a couple of set pieces but for the most part all that acting that those girls did and all those cam and like there was for sure some drone camera shots and everything like that were that were very like for real camera shots, but the acting from them is all them reacting to something that is essentially not there. Like yes. so, what they're doing with their acting is fantastic because I was sold on the peril the whole way, you know. And um, you said that like when I called it a white knuckler. It was one of those movies that, like, I think I want to say what it takes like twenty five minutes or so to really get into it, but then once it's into it, it's just like holy shit! Like the whole time, you're just like, whoo! Like <laughs> you're trying to like take those deep breaths and like, are they gonna fall? Are they not gonna fall? Are they gonna hang there? Like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Like, well, I had I had the benefit of watching this on uh, the big screen that I've got here with the projector, and had all the lights out. And the ascent as they're going up, yeah, 
I don't think I was breathing properly because my heart rate was beating through my chest whilst this was going on. I'm like, no movie has ever made me feel this on edge. And they're only going up. The incident hasn't happened where they're stranded at the top yet. Mm-hmm. But How, how uh, do they get stranded at the top, by the way? Is it a ladder break or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's an old, it's an old rickety radio tower. There are two climbers that have been like mountain climbers. And like, you know, it's got the setup in the beginning where somebody dies when she's climbing. So she's got PTSD for it and everything. And her friend the is cliffhanger defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then her friend is like, her friend is like, I have to make a TikTok, so we're gonna climb this tower. Um, very just quick story. Just like just like I need more followers, they love me. We're gonna climb this thing, it's gonna get you out of your funk. Bada bing, bada boom. And then they make the ascent up this tower, which is like a 2000 foot radio tower that's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of like Wyoming or some shit. And uh, yeah, the camera work during the ascent is brilliant. Yeah, like it's um, it's a phenomenal movie for what it is. Like if you like movies that are psychological horror films that are just like made of tension, like that's what this movie is. Um. And very, very well done. Like I said, way better than it had any right to be. I walked into that one thinking it was going to be like a real paint-by-numbers kind of shitty movie, and it turned out to be really good. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, it was um, It was incredibly surprising for me, and I thought straight away it's like, it's a movie about a social influencer, for one. Yeah. <laughs> Someone on TikTok, <laughs> which is like, I automatically want this person to fall from the top. Yeah, um, please just jump. In fact, just go yeah. ahead and just jump. <laughs> yeah, I get so many followers. <laughs> and the great thing about this movie is you instantly start feeling you're the smartest person because you're already figuring out how to get down from there before they've even thought about it. What? So you're already down it like a fireman's pole. Well, I was basically thinking, you know, why don't you just throw the rope down and kind of like abseil down? But they didn't do it. But um, well, and also, I don't think you could do that because of the way that the tower. Because the the way that the tower was both in size, like in like how like how big it was around, but also because of the actual like it's an old slick tower. So yeah. like I don't think the ropes actually would have held onto it. Like I think you just would have slid all the way down without there being any actual grip to it. True. But what I did love about this is uh I was watching it and I was thinking, is that Homeless Frank Grillo. <laughs> There's a guy yeah. there that you swear is Frank Grillo, who looks like Frank out of Shameless, the UK version. Oh, and, uh, he, listen, Frank will show up in a movie randomly sometimes. Just be like, oh, yeah. shit, Frank Grillo. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just two steps up of Danny Trejo. He's going to take over his mantle when Danny passes away. Yeah, yeah. He'll just he'll just keep showing up in movies. Um. Yeah, so Fall was way better than expected. And then the other one was Smile. Yes, I watched this the other night. Dude, Smile was so much better than it had any right to be. That movie could have been an absolute pile of shit. And it ended up being probably one of my favorite horror movies of the year. Yeah. And that's in a stacked, stacked lineup of horror movies. Um what they did with the concept of trauma being the demon or like, you know, being or like trauma bonding or like how trauma like continues to follow you. Like once you've experienced it, the way they turned that into an entity is absolutely horrifying. 
like just as a concept and the way they pulled it off is very very well and it's kind of funny because when they did the whole like you know nobody survived past seven days thing and i was like oh cool you're doing the ring awesome but then i thought about it and i was like think about the way that trauma works with humans that first week when you have something traumatic happen is pure hell like because you're still very very in it you know what i mean yeah and like if you get past that first week it's kind of like then it starts to ease a little bit then you start to come to grips with things then you start to process things but like that first week is kind of crucial and so when they called it the you know when they said the seven days thing i was kind of like actually that kind of makes sense like from a psychological standpoint that actually totally kind of makes sense um but a shout out to kyle gallner who's in that movie yes dude this guy is like he's a scream king like he's in so many different horror movies just popping up here and there he's been doing a bunch of them he's done he was in the new scream he's been in jennifer's body he's been in that sounded wrong but you get what i'm trying to say i think about that i was like the movie not actually megan fox as far as i'm concerned i have no idea maybe he was but he's one of those dudes that like when he shows up in a movie um he's been in many more than i just said but when he shows up in a movie you're like oh shit it's that guy and then you remember who he is and you're like oh yeah now i remember him from this now i remember from this and like he's a very good actor like he's like the fact that he's not gotten a main like a big role like a starring role especially in a horror movie is kind of beyond me like he's like thomas rosales yeah it's just like straight up just give the dude like give the dude a vehicle to work with and i bet you he'll crush it like i really do i think he would crush it um but yes uh smile was smile was shockingly good um and it's always good to see marilyn manson get the work (laughs) (laughs) you have to see the movie just in this he is you've got to see this movie (laughs) um he uh yeah, his his shot at the end there was real good. Um, he um, no, it's a it's a fantastic movie. It was again one of those movies that kind of came out of left field. And man, the way they did the marketing on that was really cool too. Because even though you saw like a million trailers for it, they had like people showing up in the stands of like sports games and stuff, just smiling like creeps at the camera, yeah. and to the point where news channels picked them up and they were like, "Look at this fucking guy." Like it was just like you know, and it was one of the actors from the movie. Um, so yeah, smile. Another one that was really way better than it had any um, right to be. Yeah, and both fall and smile. Uh, I got to see this past week. And, incredible, uh, both incredible. So this is where I want to get into the Cinderella story of the year. Um, Terrifier two. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, you've not seen Terrifier 2, have you, Andrew? Uh, no, I have it, but I have a feeling it's going to be something that is going to tip me over the edge if I watch it. So I might have to save it until the new year. Okay. I've heard of Terrifier 1. Okay, so that's the thing. So Terrifier 1 um, was on a shoestring budget. It was like, when I say shoestring budget, I want to say it was made for like fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000. Like it was, it was very small. Um, and it had no story. It was just this creepy ass clown shows up, chases these two girls around a city, does really creepy clown shit, but he doesn't talk. He's just, he's a mime. 
So everything is very physical. Um, it has a couple of kills in it that are extremely brutal, which is kind of what put it on the map. And in the first one, one of the kills is somebody gets hung upside down and cut in half, uh, bisected by a hacksaw. Like, and but because it's a low budget film, right after they cut her in half, you can tell very clearly that both halves of the body are just you know foam rubber, which is kind of its charm. Where it's just like ah okay, like you know it's a B movie, blah blah blah. But it got this cult following, and then the director Damien Leone uh, made the second one with uh, I, I want to say at least half of the budget was funded by Indiegogo, so it was by fans. Like, so it was fan funded and it had a $250,000 budget, wow. which Andrew filmmaker, yeah. you know, that's not a lot of money <laughs> to make a movie. Um, here's the thing about the movie. It got a theater run and it did not get a theater run in like, in like a hundred theaters. It got a theater run in about 850 theaters, which respectable for this type of movie. But it was in AMC and it was in Regal, which is crazy for what this movie is. And then every week they would add theaters because it was just continuing to sell out. So all these fans were coming out to this movie and they just kept on like just coming out to the movie. It made $10 million in the theaters off of a $250,000 budget. Okay. The movie is one of the most violent just absolutely insane horror movies that I have ever seen. So if you like Andrew, if you've ever seen hatchet. Yes. Okay. That level of kill scenes, but it's done in a way that like with hatchet, Victor Crowley is a giant hulking, you know, mongoloid demon, like, you know, thing. Art the Clown is just a yeah. tall, skinny mime. Like he's just he's a he's a tall, skinny, fucked up mime. And so everything he's doing in this movie is completely silent. It's all facial expressions and everything. And I think what Damien Leone did is I think he said, like, if this is the last Terrifier movie I get to make, I'm gonna I'm gonna really go all out and I'm gonna do I'm gonna really do it. Um, Probably for the best because a mime is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> oh, How long? Shit. How yes. long were you sit- how long were you sitting on that one, Steve? <laughs> About the last four or five minutes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I just want to make sure. Um, here's the thing about the movie. It's it's got actual story. Um, the final girl in the movie, um, who it's not a spoiler, you know she's the final girl as soon as they introduce her. Um, her name is uh Lauren Lavera. She plays Sienna. Um, she's incredible. The acting in this is very, very good. David Howard Thornton playing Art the Clown is amazing. Um, the kill scenes are wild. Like they're not just like a slasher kill scene. Like they're fucking insane. Um, and I know you said that Andrew, it might push you over the edge. I will tell you this about it. Once you see the first, the first kill scene, which is before the title, before the title card even happens, you know exactly what you're getting into. And it's just like, okay. And it's also like it's practical effects and stuff like that. So it really just is a showcase of like practical effects type of thing. Um, is it worse than the sadness? It is completely different than the sadness. Okay. So the sadness, here's the thing about the sadness compared to this. The sadness had stuff like sexual assault 
it had stuff like it had stuff like these people doing really depraved fucked up things in mass you know what i mean whereas with terrifier 2 it's one clown that's doing fucked up things to about I don't know, roughly seven or eight people total um and the fucked up stuff that he's doing is very much in the vein of a slasher movie so as opposed to the sadness which is much more visceral and much more um almost real in the sense of the type of shit that they were doing to other people um whereas the terrifier it's very clearly a slasher movie um there is one kill scene that's like smack dab in the middle of the movie though that is insane in the sense that like when it starts to happen you're like okay that kill scene's over okay it's not done okay it's still not done why are you still there like <laughs> that type of thing um and it's become like famous and memeable all, the, all over the place um point being it's a phenomenal movie as far as slashers go practical effects extravaganza everybody that's involved with the movie is incredible people i've talked to a lot of them um over on another goddamn horror podcast and i've talked with them outside of that they're just they're very incredible people that are very passionate about horror so to see this happen is kind of cool not only just for horror but also just in general for like indie filmmaking it kind of shows theaters that like you don't have to be a blockbuster to be successful in a theater you know so that's like historically this is kind of a this is kind of a historical thing both for horror and for indie filmmaking in general just to show like people will come out for movies if you know if you give them something that they want to see like they will do it and also it was an unrated movie by the way that is insane the fact that it was an uncut movie that was put in 1500 theaters in its fourth week is wild and not like boutique theaters amc and regal were like all right fuck it unrated movie like that doesn't happen you know what I mean? I I love the fact that something with such a small budget and with such a small independent bent to it is doing so well. And it doesn't really matter what it is, horror films or, or you know, it, any kind of independent cinema. And then you read something that has been in the news this week about James Cameron saying that Avatar 2 needs to make at least $2 billion in break order to even. break even. Yeah. Hmm. That I yeah no no I, I've no. said this before about No Time to Die and I was wrong about that about what that needed to break even and it did Avatar two um that is an unattainable goal it's insane yeah. that's absolutely insane also it's Avatar two. <laughs> the first one was cool when it was came out and it was like that was like the apex of 3d at the time too so that was like kind of cool but there's not a shitload of people that are asking for avatar 2 no no and it, if you have if you have a movie making something like i don't know uh like about 40 times its budget back that to me is a much better investment than a movie which needs to break even on such a large scale. Yeah, yeah if it and that's why I've that's why I do <clears throat> think that you a lot of movie studios need to kind of shift their focus to more kind of mid-tier uh movies because it's much safer investment. You can experiment a lot more, you can bring in all of these really, really creative people that are uh, otherwise outside of the industry. 
because you can't just pump out stuff like Avengers Endgame every other week and expect it to keep that kind of momentum because no. one, you're blocking off talent. Two, you're having to spaff an awful lot of money up the wall before you even see a return. And three, people just get tired of it. So no, I'm all well, about this. I'm, I've not seen it. I probably won't see it because it doesn't really sound like it's going to float my boat too much. But I will quite happily go out there and champion the people behind it for actually getting out there and doing it. Yes, well, I think James Cameron should take a a, a key out of uh, Terrified 2 book. Get Chris Jericho in your movie. You're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of funny. We were talking, what, what you just brought up is a good transition to a movie that um, I, I feel like, unfortunately, just it, there was no way for this movie to win. Um, and that's Black Adam. It's... You know you it, are doomed... When Black Panther is getting released right after you. <laughs> yeah. And also And that was a strategic move by Disney. Because of course Black it was. Panther was supposed to come out first. Yeah. And as soon as Black Adam got its new release date, they mysteriously pushed it back. <laughs> Whoops. What happened? Um <laughs> this is also I want to bring up this about Wakanda Forever. Um, it's a fucking great movie. But um I made a joke on Facebook about it that I will repeat here. Um, that I think it's racist that Wakanda's nemesis is a guy that swims really well. Um, so just, <laughs> just uh, that was the only joke that I made about the whole movie. <laughs> um, and uh, and what they did with Namor was weird. Um, not in a bad way, but they gave him a whole completely different backstory, and it was kind of cool. Um, the movie's definitely too long, but it's a really it's a phenomenal movie. Like especially for the for what they had to do to change everything um because of chadwick boseman's passing they did as good of a movie as they possibly could have done i'll say that like it was it's a great movie black adam on the other hand looks like every single dc movie that has come out in the last eight nine years like it's the same color palette it's weird the entire color palette of the movie looks like it's rust like i don't know why they do that but everything is this weird rusty like fool's gold look to it and it's i don't know if it's like they have this one cgi filter to put on their movies and they're just like fuck it use it for this one too the only thing that differentiates this between wonder woman 1984 is the rock is there instead of gal gadot (laughs) it's the only And the rock being in the movie is the only reason this film was not wiped off the Warner Brothers schedule in yeah. post production because they don't want to piss off Dwayne. No, I wonder which great. one's got the best ass. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm going to say Dwayne actually, and I'm a fan. I'm gonna, I'm a fan of Wonder Woman's, but I'm still going to say Dwayne. Um, <laughs> but here's the here's the other thing that sucked about Black Adam. They did something that DC does for their movies that's odd. I don't know why they keep on doing this. But the villain in the movie was just some fucking nameless monster. It was just a thing. Yeah, it was. There was, just, it was I don't even remember monster. any villain in the trailers because you know Black Adam's not going to be the main big bad. No, that would be amazing if he was. It turned out he was just a piece of shit the whole time. I would have loved that movie. I would have been like, that's great. Um, I, th- I think that was another reason why I like Shazam is because one, I thought it was a lot more fun than most of the. Than both the Marvel and the DC output, but two, yeah. I, I love watching Mark Strong 
as the bad guy it kind of still sticks mm. in your head because you've actually got a human being as opposed to this weird CGI monstrosity or a beam falling from the sky. Right. And also Shazam was a well-written fun movie. Like mm. it had a different look. It had a different tone. It had something that differentiated it from it kind of set it at, set it aside from the pack compared to the other DC movies. And it was a good movie. Whereas black Adam could have been good. Like it's the anti-hero story is not a shitty story. Like it's a fun, good story that you can work with. Instead, they just did this. And like I said, the big bad literally is just like CGI barf at the end of it. It's just like, <laughs> all right, like we don't even know what the hell this thing is. Um, so yeah, black Adam sucked. Um, and, uh, but on to another good one though, the menu. Ah, now I have to gauge what you say on this, and please don't give any spoilers. I won't uh, for it. But the main thing is, uh, Bill Daly is planning to go and see this tomorrow, so he's gauging what you say <laughs> on whether he actually goes and sees it. So, Bill, go see the movie. It's it's really good. Um, and I was kind of worried that it was going to be one of those things where they gave away too much in the trailer, um, and they absolutely did not. They were very, very smart about what they did with the trailer. That's all I'll really say about that. Um, they give you something to chew on. Um, no pun intended. Um, with the trailer. Um, I swear to God, there was no pun. I hate puns. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. I'm an asshole. Um, uh, but um, it, it's very good. It's very good for what it is. And what it is, is a surprise. Like I won't tell you where the story goes in it, but everybody involved does a great job. Um, I'm really happy that it's one that I anticipated seeing for most of the year because it's been coming out with trailers for a long time. Um, and it turned out to be really good. Um, well, the speaking uh, of Bill Daly, I know I did see an article this week saying that uh, John Leguizamo who's in it apparently based his character on Steven, on Steven Seagal. Seagal. Oh, Jesus so, Christ. Um, yeah. So I think Bill might have something to say about that one. That might put him off watching it all by itself. <laughs> there are endless streams of Steven Seagal, Warner Brothers stories that you will hear whenever Bill Daly is on our show. Well, one of these days I'm going to have to be on a show with Bill Daly so that we can talk specifically about Steven Seagal. Uh, I don't be think a... we could hear that episode, uh, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's going to be our special uh, After Dark Christmas Party Edition where we just uh, bring on go. a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Then you know, uh, Rick Ravanello can tell his Steven Seagal story as well. There's a really <laughs> funny video online that's been I don't online. I know for... what two Dick Rick's uh, Steven Seagal story is. <laughs> I'm already interested. Um, (laughs) There's there's a video that's been on the internet now for shit. I would say probably at least ten years. That is still one of the funniest 45 seconds on the internet, and it's called Steven Seagal runs like a girl. That's all it is, and it's just a loop of him running in one of his first movies. I think it's like Out for Justice or something like that. I don't know. Insert three words here, but you know what I mean. It's one of those ones, and it's just him running around a corner chasing after a crackhead. And it looks like he's starting to jump rope as he's running. So like his hands are like out to the side and like his fingers are like pinched together. And like, instead of like pumping his arms back and forth, they're like going like this, you know? So it's, it is hilarious. It's premium Steven Seagal content. Um, But uh, 
there's a movie I'm looking forward to. Actually, it's coming out. I want to say next week. Uh, it's called Violent Night. Yes. Oh, with David Harbour. Talking about yeah, talking about John Leguizamo. Yeah, that's a movie I'm really looking forward to. I, I said earlier today. I saw the trailer for it yet again. I was like, I've I've got to see this movie. It's going to be much better than that. Uh, Mel Gibson Santa Claus movie. Oh, but I've Fat already Man? forgotten. Fat Man. That's what yeah, it's yeah. Called. yeah, yeah, Fat Man. Christmas horror is one of those weird things because like there's some really really good ones from way back, you know, like Black Christmas and stuff like that. Um, and then like it has like cr- uh, Krampus is really yeah. good if you watch the unrated version, especially it's very yeah. good. And, and better watch like out two movies yeah, that better are watch out Krampus rules. though, because there's the one which came out I think it was either last year, and uh, that was that was kind yeah. of almost like a like a, a rated twelve horror movie and it was kind of more kind of kiddie friendly and then there's another version right. of the film called krampus which is like yeah direct video cash yeah but i think that one came out first didn't it possibly but i know the one from legendary um yeah that's yeah that's the one that's it's like a it's a horror comedy yeah is it, was it done by the director of trick or treat i think it was um it? i believe it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's so a great like, movie there's two Christmas movies, Christmas horror movies that are coming out within two weeks of each other. And this is going back to the Terrifier 2 thing. This actually is something that is interesting and attached to that. There's a movie that's coming out um, from the same director. Um, I want to say his name is Joe Begos or uh, yeah, he's the one that did VFW. He's oh, the okay. yeah, same director that did VFW. He's got a really, really gnarly looking grindhousey Christmas horror film coming out called Christmas Bloody Christmas. And it is about an animatronic Santa that goes fucking insane and starts just slaughtering a town. And it's getting a theater run. Nice. And there's no reason it should be getting a theater run based off of just the premise of the movie because those are not the type of movies that get theater runs. This one's getting a pretty decent theater run. And I think a lot of that has to do with what, you know, what's happening with Terrifier 2. They're at least taking chances on these movies, which I think is awesome. Um, but uh, as far as any other movies that I saw, um, I do want to throw this out there, um, you know, before we get um, towards the end of the episode. Um, I revisited based off of a Criterion Collection sale that was happening. Um, I bought and rewatched Videodrome. Oh, classic. Fuck, man. I forgot how good of a movie that was. I really did. Um, Steve, have you seen Videodrome? You know, I haven't. It's I in haven't the box. When it I know I've, good. I've never been a massive fan of David Cronenberg. I'm not a kind of a body horror kind of guy. I've seen a few of his, I've seen a few of his uh, things, but no, I, I, I passed that one by. You enjoyed I think the Dead Zone? Uh, yeah, I did, but you've got to admit that's that's a different kettle of fish altogether. It's, that's it's that's, the most tamest David Cronenberg movie. Definitely, yeah. it doesn't feel like a David Cronenberg film. You know, there's there's no one kind of morphing and mutating into a pile of sludge. It's true. That is true. The thing the thing with Videodrome is that it's um, first off, it's James Woods does incredible, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are friends with James Woods or anything, but I am not a fan of the man myself. Not recently. Um, uh, definitely not recently. Um, it's kind of funny when I rewatch any given Sunday and I watch his part in that movie, I'm like, oh, he wasn't acting. That's cool. Um, but uh, 
but no, I was watching Videodrome again. It's an incredible movie. It is very David Cronenberg, but it's only in like small bursts. A very David Cronenberg movie. So like when the body horror stuff happens, it happens not for extended periods of time until it starts to get like into the third act. But like it's I wouldn't say it's a tame David Cronenberg movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely not his wildest one as far as body horror goes. Um, but the concept of the Videodrome tape doing what it does to people is just a really cool, terrifying concept. Um, and it holds up really well. Yeah. It's from what, like 1983 or something like that? Yeah, it's definitely in the earlier 80s. <clears throat> yeah, and it holds up really well. Um, what else did I see? Oh, yeah, I, I saw Till. I saw Till. And, uh, I've been interested yeah. in seeing this. Um, incredible movie. And uh, to say that I cried would be an understatement. Like it's, it is a gut wrenching movie. Um, but it's so well done. Like it's to me, it's one of those movies that you absolutely should watch if you get the chance. It is, um, beautiful film. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful film. Um, well, there's two films I want to pull up for you here that I know you have seen. Uh, the first one being. Uh, the Woman King. Yeah, Woman King was great. Um, I was again. That was one that I kind of like. I was anticipating because I'd seen a lot of trailers for it. I didn't really know what it was going to be. I didn't know what the direction they were going to go with it was. Um, Viola Davis is incredible, and as an actress, I've seen her in so many different things. Like she's one of those actresses that can kind of pull off any part that they give her, even in a shitty movie. She'll still pull off a great part. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, it's no different. Like the movie itself is good, but her performance in this movie is so powerful. Like she's just absolutely commands the screen every second that she's on there. Um, and it's kind of like it's like Black Panther, but if it was based in reality. Yes. If you get what I'm saying, like, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal movie. Um, couldn't recommend it enough. And then obviously the big one, the last time we had you on the show, you said you were about to go and see this movie and you were really looking forward to it. And now you have seen it. The world has seen it. I have never seen such an outpouring of praise for this movie. And it is Barbarian. Yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Barbarian has so much cool stuff going for it. First off, it's a first time director. The director is a sketch Hollywood. It does happen. It does. It does. And also, he's a sketch comic. He's from he's from the sketch comedy group, The Whitest Kids You Know. His name is Zach Kreger. So if you've ever seen The Whitest Kids You Know, there's no fucking way that you would think that one of those guys would make this movie. Like, that, The Whitest Kids You Know is hilarious, but it is dark. Like, it's a dark but very funny sketch group um, that used to be on IFC um, way back when. Um and it's great, but to think that he made this movie is kind of shocking. Um, is it kind of like along the same level of like Jordan Peele suddenly coming out with Get Out? Yeah, it kind of is. Well, Jordan Peele had a bit of a hand in helping uh, Zach Krager with this movie, from what I hear. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so here's what's interesting. Let's talk about Jordan Peele really quick. Um his movies or a movie that he has his hands on, you can always tell is a Jordan Peele movie. You yes. know what I mean? 
like whether it's coming from his production company or whether he's the director or producer or whatever there's always a look or a feel to it where you're like oh that's that's a jordan peele you know property or whatever um this movie doesn't have any of that feel to it or any of that look to it um but there's so many cool things that happen during this movie like as far as like plot twists and like the way the tone shifts in the movie like three very specific times like there's a complete tonal shift um that works way better than it it should like when justin long's character gets introduced to the movie it's a tonal shift that goes from like harrowing like pure fear to justin long driving in a fucking convertible down uh, you know down a beachside highway uh, talking to his publicist about something that happened and he's listening to like 80s music you know like it goes from like this harrowing thing to like almost a joyous drive um to introduce his character and at first the tonal shift is like what the what the fuck just happened this is like this is a different movie now like what are we doing and then the way that it all wraps up is like beautiful it just it's perfectly perfectly wrapped up um steve you obviously have not seen barbarian I haven't, but I've um, I've got the one of the pages up now. I see he's got a uh, a Skarsgård in it. It does. It, <laughs> does. it does. They're taking over fucking Hollywood. Well, not only that, I was amazed when uh, I posted that we were going to be talking about Barbarian, and an actress friend of mine by the name of Kate Nichols, who I've known for many years, who I initially first met out in LA. She messaged me and saying, oh, if you're watching Barbarian, I had a, a small role in it. And she plays Catherine, who's the uh, documentary filmmaker yeah. uh, in the movie. And she is phenomenal. It was so great to see her on screen. And everyone out there, you can go and check her IMDb uh, and see her showreel and tell it this is one going to be one of the best actresses you're ever going to see. Her range is incredible. And her part that she had in the movie, I mean, it was small, but it also was like she did really good with that part because just her little part that she had had to show a couple of different emotional ranges just like in it alone. And like her exit from the scene is also a cool like it's kind of um, integral to the storyline, too, because if you haven't seen Barbarian, it's about a, it's about a woman that goes to an Airbnb um i think they're like outside of detroit um and she goes to an airbnb and when she gets there there's somebody already in the airbnb that has also rented it um and they decide to share it just for the night because she's there for a job interview uh to meet with your friend and um and then shit goes wild um now in the trailer it shows a lot of stuff that is really just from the first act of the movie yes and that's kind of ingenious because the way that everything wraps around from that first act of the movie is also kind of genius. So the fact that they just showed that stuff in the first in the trailer to hook you was perfect. You know, they pulled an end game. They did. They yeah. did pull an end game, actually. I, I um, mean, this it pays off so well. Yeah, now, there is genuinely some moments in this movie that probably had me in shock oh yeah there's quite a few um 
and also like Richard Brake shows up in it. He's becoming yes. a dude. He's becoming a Danny Trejo, and which and I love it. Every time Richard Brake shows up in a movie, I'm like, two things are going to happen: a he's going to do great, and b he's going to be a scumbag. Like, he's oh, just, he, oh, he's the guy from Doom. Doom. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. you were going to say, yeah, that. yeah. He's a fucking dude. He's in so many movies, and every time he's an asshole, and it's great. Like every time. Um, he was in the Monsters movie, which is the last time I'll men- mention that movie. Um, We're back to Rob Zombie it. again, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Talk God. about taking a neon shit on your childhood. Um, Rock stars, but, uh, stop making movies. Dude, uh, this is to you, Trent Reznor, as well. God's sake. Yeah. Rob, stop making Nosferatu do TikTok dances in your movie, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh yeah so barbarian is incredible barbarian it's really like hard for me to say what the best movie of the year is so far because barbarian and smile go back and forth for me um terrifier 2 is its own thing for me terrifier 2 is the best movie of the year for multiple different reasons but that's for like you know um a lot of it is because also the cinderella story aspect of it and just what they were able to do with that movie and the impact i think it's going to have on uh theatrical filmmaking but like it's a three-way tie between smile barbarian and terrifier 2 for me like barbarian is such a good movie for just for the type of horror film that it is because it's equal parts funny and tense and shocking and it's paced perfectly the acting is incredible um there's just there's not really anything bad to say about it um and we're not even done with the year yet we still have another whole month of movies that is looking really promising uh we've yeah. got nanny coming out which i'm really looking forward to see that gets released yep. on december 16th um we also have the obvious uh top gun knockoff of devotion <laughs> which had the pure cheek to not only feature one of the stars of Top Gun Maverick, but also in its first ever trailer, completely rip off the Top Gun Maverick trailer. Jesus. Uh, we have uh, Glass Onion, the Knives Out mystery. Oh, I did see that. And oh, it's you've awesome. seen it already. Yeah, wow. it came out. It came out for a one week, um, like uh, one week theater release before a major before the major release and if you like knives out you're gonna fucking love this one so it's it's great yeah i I think it's even i think it's better than knives out actually issues with ryan johnson (laughs) god's sake (laughs) it's time to let it go steve let it go i'm gonna let it go i don't know what in the last jedi you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also of interest you know uh, the fablemans obviously uh, I think mm-hmm. that's is that out now as of it it is and it has had no advertisement. <laughs> yeah, not not at all. Uh, no. White noise with Adam Driver is about to come out, which looks really funny. Um, all right, really interesting. So I might be one to check out. Uh, and kind of going through the list here of what, like is... we said, vi- Violent Nights coming out next week. Yes. Uh, did you did you see Pray for the Devil? Yeah, I. Uh... I did. You've got to end on this one, Jonas, because I knew you were not going <laughs> to like this movie. No. Uh, that was a movie I waited for for a long time, too. <laughs> Come on. Ex- expel that pain. 
Jones, okay. expel it. Okay. You've got 10 minutes left. Knock yourself out. Pray Be for ruthless. the devil. Pray for the devil. Here's first uh, something to mention. I like possession movies. I like exorcism movies. Um, I like even some of the shitty ones. Um, and I think that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, like I like The Conjuring. I like The Conjuring 2. I didn't like The Conjuring 3 as much, but I liked a lot of things about The Conjuring 3. Um, I think the Warrens are two of the worst people ever to walk on this face of the earth. But oh, total bullshit. Yeah, yeah, just absolute, absolute cunts. Um, but the movies, the movies were good um, for what they were. Um, and going all the way back, The Exorcist was probably my favorite movie until I saw The Exorcist 3. And then that was my favorite one, which is another hot take. I think it's a better movie than, than the original. Why? What um, about The Exorcist 2? uh you know, that did that movie happen i don't know i think i must have i must have that's heresy that is that uh, yeah. is heresy <laughs> no but that I'm was sh- number four <laughs> <laughs> no literally number two was heresy uh the the the, her- the heretic um so pray for the devil had trailers for shit six seven months almost like it just kept on just trailer after trailer after trailer and it made it look pretty cool like it made it look like a really interesting actual like an interesting uh exorcism movie it's like happiness um, of god but with the devil yeah like honestly here's the thing with it it's like the the thing that they played with with the whole female exorcist thing like they played with the whole you know chauvinism feminism aspect of it the whole gender identity of exorcists and priests and stuff like that they played with that that was kind of a cool concept to play with they completely fucked the dog on it, but they tried. <laughs> they tried to do that. Um, they uh, they tried to do something new with the exorcism genre. The problem is that they showed everything that was even remotely interesting in the trailer. And the movie was one of the most boring paint by numbers just absolutely phoned in could have looked at like just the beginner's guide to an exorcist movie and done that like it everything that they put on screen has either been done before or is something that is so derivative that it shouldn't have been done before like there was nothing about it that was original or unique at all and everything that looked like it was going to be cool in the trailers this is the other thing there was half the parts in the trailers didn't even happen in the movie like it was the movie was recut and they took out cool parts to put in shittier parts like i don't know why they did that at all um the cgi is atrocious the cgi is some of the worst cgi that i've ever seen and i already talked about black adam earlier this is so much worse CGI. Um, the stuff that they were doing with like the little girl, uh, um, Andrew, did you see it? Uh, I tried not to. You tried, but okay. I, I did accidentally like witness it. Oh, That's all I'm I can so say. Sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, it, it's basically it's like it, it may have supplanted Lost Souls as the worst exorcism movie I've ever seen. The worst exorcism movie I've ever seen is actually, uh, we're not even going to consider Exorcist 2. Um, it's the one with Eric ba- Eric Bana, the oh, devil inside. Yeah, inside the one which doesn't have an ending. Yeah. Oh, that deli- one was, Deliver Us from Evil? 
Yeah, I fucking hated that movie so much. Oh, it's poor Scott. Oh, oh Scott Derrickson. He didn't oh. deserve that hate. I love Scott Derrickson. I absolutely adore Scott Derrickson. And I don't think that what he did with that movie was anything bad. Um, he didn't write the movie, I hope not, because that's where all of my problems are with that movie. The direction was great. It was a beautiful looking movie. But you can only put so many filters on a turd before you realize that it's still a turd. So, yeah, um, like uh, like the, uh, the last exorcism part two. Oof. Yeah, that's another <laughs> awful awful one um the devil inside there's another terrible one ooh. um ooh, that one actually might be the worst i think that one's the yeah, worst that's, that's, <laughs> nah. we, we'd erase that one from my, we'd expelled the demon of that movie but as, as soon as that escaped my lips i was like that's that's the worst one i can taste it like is that that's that's onion and ketchup yeah i can taste that repossessed <laughs> you you yeah. can taste the devil inside Ugh. but no pray for the devil was uh horrible it was <laughs> It was especially for a movie that I've been anticipating for six or seven months. I was like, this is at least going to be fun. It was the opposite of fun. Like I was actually disappointed and angry when I walked out of the theater. I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? And every time the little girl would come on the screen and you would see her, you would see her quote unquote possession happening. Like the stuff that was happening with her face was, like I said, it was some of the worst CGI that I have ever seen and i don't know how it went through post-production and nobody was just like that looks like that looks like actual shit that looks unfinished like what are you doing um and like all the things that they were going to do that were going to be cool like when the actual exorcist um, lady herself i've forgotten the names of all of the characters of this movie that's how much Probably i hated it the best um all the things that were happening to her had the potential to be cool and then they only happened for like three seconds and it was just like oh so now we're back to the same exact exorcism movie bullshit that we've seen in every single exorcism movie um i i I was going on i think it was going to either ikea or um uh b&q which is kind of like it's like a lowe's it's a home improvement kind of place with my, uh, like a my home girlfriend kind of place. Home, home yeah. Depot, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we're looking for new kitchen stuff. And we're driving around this big roundabout. And there was a bus there. And there was a sign on the back the side of the bus. We said, we said, uh, pray for the devil. And my partner, Amanda, she went, oh, that what's that about? And so, OK, I went on, pulled up the details, showed her the trailer. And she just went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was just from the it, trailer it has been on quite a few buses i remember when bill was over here in manchester it was all over the buses and he was like hmm <laughs> dude there was so much marketing for it there was so much and then it kept on getting pushed the release date kept on getting pushed up or pushed back so it's the bad sign yeah it's never good never good um whereas like the new scream keeps on getting moved up so I don't know, like maybe the new scream could be good. Um, that's also co- that's coming out in like March. Like they really streamlined that one, and oh, that's yeah. going to be Scream in New York City, which I'm all about. Yeah, but um, they did the same with Scream too. That was like the year after Scream came out. You know, real was, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was practically undusted, and it was a great sequel too. You know, it was, it was fantastic on a par. And then we had Scream three, and we were like, eh. Yeah, but that yeah. it's not necessarily a sign of quality though, because mm. they kind of rushed through. Um, what was it, Blair Witch Two, Book of Shadows? 
<laughs> that got that got rushed through really soon after. Mm. Who's the? What was the studio that did Blair Witch Two? Was uh, it probably oh, Lionsgate? I, I think it was. I think it was a very early Lionsgate. I think it got released. Um, I know it was Artisan, wasn't it? I think it was. It might have been. It might have been yeah. Artisan. Yeah, entertainment in video. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think I want to end on this though. Um, rather than shitting all over, pray for the devil and leaving the bad taste in the mouth, I want to end on this. Um, if you've not seen the Chucky TV series, you should watch it. Is there a TV and series? The, yes. Yeah, there's a whole TV it's very series. Good. It's very good. Um, and the second season is really, really good. Which Featuring I Liv Morgan, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And I did not expect the second season to be that good. Like it's, I expected it to be kind of a, you know, again, a Cinderella story of being the first season good. And then the second season, I figured it would probably, you know, fall off a little bit. And it has not fallen off in any way. Um, and I love that Liv Morgan got her little, got her little uh, horror movie um, bucket list moment in that. Um, she did great. She did great in it. Yeah. To be honest, the, the last, um, child's play movie that came out was it mark hamill who was voicing chucky in it mm. yeah and it was the remake what? yeah it wasn't that bad no it was good yeah. for what it was, it was. That, it was good you know and aubrey Plaza is just you know she's phenomenal in anything she's oh, in she can just be aubrey Plaza. Yeah. <laughs> between between all of us and anybody that listens to this episode aubrey plaza is probably my favorite person that i've never met and you know what I mean? Like every time I see her do anything in a movie or an interview or anything, I'm like, she seems like the coolest hang ever. Like just, just for a day to hang out with her seems like the coolest shit ever. And of course there is also the aspect of that. She's absolutely gorgeous. But aside from that, like just her personality and who she is, she seems like she would be the funniest and like just the coolest person to hang out with ever. And one of my, unless friends, your name is Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> that is an accurate statement um, if, you, if you have seen that red carpet moment where he tries to put his arm around her and right. Aubrey Plaza's reaction it's like the most awkward moment where it was like oh god I would not yeah. want to be Michael Sarah at this moment complete complete shutdown um, her most recent one of her most recent movies I think it's her most recent movie actually um, Emily the Criminal is incredible it's amazing so good yeah, like, I love that movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely good movie. And it's her pulling like a like a rare, fully serious part, and she does like way better. Again, I'm an unapologetic fanboy of hers, and she did way better than I expected. And um, yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal movie. Um, and that Child's Play remake was a literal reimagining in present day time. And for that, like for what it is, that made perfect sense. Like, you know, especially if you're not going to make a franchise that has to do with the whole possession angle and you just make him, you know, AI that's gone fucking crazy. Sure. Like that's a that's a very passable remake in the movie. Um, but yeah, the Chucky series is really good. Um, and like Steve, there's a part in the first season. Um, this is not a spoiler in any way. Um, but he, uh, somebody mentions him being, um, being okay with homosexuality. And he was like, I have a gay kid. 
he goes i'm not a monster <laughs> like, you know like <laughs> and it's it's hilarious like that type of thing is fucking hilarious and it's like that kind of a vein throughout the throughout the series where he's got this um you know evil sense of humor along with him but yeah he's like i have a gay son i'm is not he, a monster <laughs> so he's uh he's brad dorf back for this then um i don't uh brad dorf has a little bit to do with stuff but here's the thing fiona dorf has a a lot more to do with it and that's all i'll say about that okay yeah okay well um well here's here's hoping he's going to be as good as ash versus evil dead which i really enjoyed so if if it can capture some of the, the the humor particularly the later movies then I'm I'm probably going to have to check that out soon. Are you guys uh, anticipating okay. Evil Dead Rise? By the way, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, if it's, even if it's going to suck, it's more Evil Dead, so I'm all about that. It's Evil Dead in a high rise. That's going to yeah. be amazing. <laughs> yes, worked for Poltergeist. So, um, before we sign off on here, Jonas, uh, upcoming movies that you're really looking forward to over the next month before we have you back on. Uh, definitely looking forward to both of the Christmas horrors that I was talking about, uh, Violent by Night and uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Um, definitely looking forward to those. I'm looking forward to the Wednesday uh, Netflix series, which is yep. out now. I think I think one of my kids was watching it before. I think it just dropped the today. Actually, yeah, I think yeah. it just dropped today or yesterday. So definitely looking forward to watching that. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't looked to see everything that's coming out in December. Um, but out of the ones that you, it's kind of funny because I actually do want to see Devotion. Um, I don't think it's going to be good, but <laughs> but I do want to see it. Um, Can all wait for Will Smith's return to movies in Emancipation? Uh, will, 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 Will. Um, Big Willie style has not had a good movie in a while. Um Gemini Man was just. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind it. I've, I, I, I was just kind of. It was there. It was on. I liked it better when it was called Double Impact with John Claude Van Damme. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, December. I don't know. I, I December is going to be an interesting one because December. I think I'm actually going to be seeing a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out on Shutter. Um, yeah. because Shutter's been having some real good stuff that's been coming out. Can, can um, we kind of raise the fact here that Martin Lawrence is doing a serious horror thriller role in a movie mm-hmm. called Mind Cage? Yeah, and he's doing it opposite John Malkovich. <laughs> like is Martin Lawrence playing a serious straight role for what probably is the first time is in, in his entire career. He's playing Clarice Starling. Like, that's <laughs> what he's doing. Like, but also, yo, if he pulls that off when he's acting opposite John Malkovich, I'm going to be shocked, but also I'm going to be really happy for him because just based off the trailer, Malkovich is going to eat up the screen on this one. Yeah, he usually does. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's got a very Hannibal Lecter vibe in that sense too. Like he's got a very Hannibal Lecter-esque, um, vibe to him and i'm that is coming out in december isn't it it is and i'm actually looking line, forward to that one to go in line with our last video episode steve where we had with bill where we mentioned that the bodyguard was the big christmas movie of 1992 
2022, the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, is released right smack in Christmas week. Yay. So that you one, know it's going to be a hit. That one I'm cautiously optimistic about. Um, I don't know. It's It's not been getting the type of coverage that I was hoping that it would. Like, I feel like if they're going to do a Whitney Houston biopic, especially one that would be high quality, I would be hearing a lot more about it than I am. That's a very good point. You know what I mean? Well, it's a it's a good point to end on. Um, so, uh, right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll like, see. I'm looking. I am looking forward to it. So I will say that I am looking forward to it. And my fingers are crossed that it's good. All right. Jonas, it's it well. been great having you on again. As always. I always love coming on. I always love to be on here, guys. So uh, what have you got coming up at the moment that everyone should be keeping an eye out for? Um, so uh, we're done with doing shows in Brooklyn uh, for the Traumedy Hour, the live show. We're done with those uh, till the end of the year just because of holidays and stuff. Um, but we have some really cool stuff coming up on another goddamn horror podcast. We're going to be doing uh, some year-end awards um, for the show, and uh, we're calling them the Danzigs. Because we all um, we all unapolog- unapologetically love um, that demonic cat father, um, but uh, yeah. So we're doing that, um, and also we're going to be doing an interview soon with a um, horror icon and cult film um, legend, Bill Oberst Jr. Nice. Um, we're going to be doing an interview with him soon, um, and that actually should be probably coming out. I want to say. We're going to be filming that one, recording that one here real soon. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that because he's one of those dudes that, like, if you know who he is, you know how good of an actor he is. And he picks stuff that is just obscure and crazy, which I really like. Um, So, yeah, we got that coming up. Um, And you can always find another goddamn horror podcast on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash AGHP 666. So that's that's our big stuff coming up. So cool. And uh, hopefully we are going to see you for our Puttywood Christmas party. <laughs> We're basically gonna all come online, all have a drink for the Christmas period. Uh, and we'll have a, a few special of our former guests will drop by as well, just to come and chat shit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Festive season. Yeah, there's there's not really going to be much of a, uh, a, a a schedule or an agenda for that one. It's just going to be yeah, it's come along. Let's just have a few drinks. All right. <laughs> if you if you've ever heard our after dark episodes, which I think you can find out there somewhere, Steve, <laughs> on the premium. Bit. I think they're still on the Patreon. I've not put them on the Patreon. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, our Patreon episodes were very fun because it was me and Steve in a jazz bar setting, basically just throwing as many swear words as we can into our various topics that we're doing whilst getting beautiful drunk. Yeah, beautiful. I can be the sober one that watches you guys just get absolutely shit hammered, and uh, I can oh. I can watch along. <laughs> I think we we cracked the alcohol out for the second uh, Warner Brothers in '92 episode because me and Bill yeah. were on whiskey and you were on Dry November. 
which which has since passed and now and now I've been drinking a uh, bottle of Chardonnay, which has a um, what are they called? A, a, I want to say a kookaburra, but that's not it. What are they called? Uh, I'll I'll go with kookaburra. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can't. Th- also, no. d- Steve, you can't get shit faced on Chardonnay. You can't do that. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't. That's I, not. Don't test me because I will find a way. <laughs> um, right. Well, thank you very much uh, yet again for coming on. Um, if you've liked what you've heard slash seen, then you can join in the discussion on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Pottywood. You can find us on Twitter at Pottywood. That is if Elon Musk hasn't imploded the whole thing uh, in the interim. You can also find us on Reddit at uh, r slash Pottywood, or you can, I don't know, set up a Morse code system somewhere and try and see if you can fire some lines through to us. I don't know. And our biggest following so far is on LinkedIn. Where we have officially hit 510 followers, including Uabol. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, I've got we, to be uh, nice now. <laughs> no, if you hear some back episodes, then you're talking about video game conversions. Uh, I think you were probably the nicest you've ever been. Listen, mm. I w- you know what? I will say this before you wrap this up Uabol is. One of the worst filmmakers I've ever seen. But I also really, 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 really want to pick his brain <laughs> about all of the abortions that he's done. Movies. I'm sorry. Uh, that was autocorrect. Whatever you want yes. to call it. But <laughs> so, so, Uwe, if you've watched this episode because you see when I post them out and uh, if you have watched it, then we want to get you on. In fact, We'll bring you on as the fourth guest for one week so we can all fire these questions at you. And you don't have to fight us. No. No. And I'll mean it with love. I won't even talk shit to him. I'll just be like, what are you doing? (laughs) I will. I'll be like, what the fuck happened to Alone in the Dark? (laughs) Uh, Right. So. Two. (laughs) Poor Christian Slater. Uh, So, uh, with that in mind, it is a goodbye from uh, Jonas Barnes. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a a goodbye from myself. Thank you very much for joining us yet again. And finally, it's a goodbye from me. Take care yourself. Bye-bye.